podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello and welcome to the Nat Coombs Show. Happy draft week, gang. Are you set? Are you excited? You ready? Have you watched draft day? I hope you have. Costner, Leary, they need your love. What a movie. I've watched it twice already this week. <laughs> and it's only Monday. I and Mike in the house to get you set. Unsurprisingly, a lot of today's show is focusing on the draft. And we've got some great questions from you as well via the mailbag at the NC Show. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, TikTok. And we are looking a lot at the big stories, the big names, the big narratives going into the 2023 draft. But that's not all we're talking about. Players getting suspended for violating gambling protocol. We're going to talk Jalen Hurts' deal and the impact that might have on the likes of Justin Herbert, Lamar, of course, Mahomes too. Sure, we'll be looking at that a little bit. I Mike's going to remember a bona fide NFL legend and plenty more besides. So sit back, relax and enjoy 60 Minutes with me and the big guy. Carlson, the sun is shining. It is good to see my old compadre back. Headphones on. We're ready to roll. Yeah, ready to go. Uh, you know, I, I'm really happy to be here. You know, you're a great crowd. I love this. They treat you nice out here. You know, the Nat Nakum show. Really, they treat you nice. They're first class all the way. Don't forget to tip your waitress, folks. Don't forget <laughs> to tip the waitress. Hey, listen, we got a jam-packed show uh, and a bumper mailbag. It's always a bumper mailbag when Carlson is in the house. So we're going to weave in a few of those through the course of the show. And then any of them we get to, we'll try and uh, rattle through rapid fire. Uh, when we wrap things up, why don't we go first to, to this iron mic? I think it's important to lead off with me establishing both to you and to listeners at home, uh, the official gambling policy of the NC show, uh, which is pretty straightforward. <laughs> We're comfortable with you gambling on anything as long as it isn't uh, either Donald Trump winning uh, the US presidency or Millwall winning any football match of any kind. As long as you stay away <laughs> from those, you knock yourself out as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I wonder how much was collected on Wrexham on on Saturday. Yeah, you know, because right. all these, um, my, my my girlfriend's daughter was insane, you know, following the match. And she's a big sport, sporting type. But because of the reality show, you know, yeah. the, the Ryan Reynolds band, I'll, I'll bet you lots of people had money. On it. And, and you remember Nick Hauling, my old buddy Nick Hauling, he's actually a Borum Wood supporter. He is. That's right. Yeah. 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 So um, yeah. I thought Keep this was right when they scored. I sent him a, sent him a message when they scored in the first minute. <laughs> <That's, you know. laughs> Interesting but, development. There. So listen, yeah. yeah, this 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 is something that is understandably getting a lot of attention. We talked about it a lot last season in relation to, to Calvin Ridley and yeah. the, the I guess the the relativity of a, a a season long ban for him, of course, for for gambling. And he was gambling on the NFL, but when he was out injured. The latest story, five players have been suspended, four of them Lions, including most notably Jamison Williams. Yeah. Um, the other player was from the Commanders. Uh, and the official line is violating gambling policy. Williams's ban is not as severe as Ridley's. It's six games, but still significant. Yeah, I think two of them have, have six games and the other, th- the other three have um, full season. Full seasons. And a couple have been jettisoned from the, the Lions as a result of that. Um, and you drill down beneath the surface, different things flying around, but amongst the transgressions, engaging in any form of gambling from the facility. So if you're a player who is perhaps betting on Wrexham from, from, from the Lions facility, uh, you, you, could be, you, could be, you could be suspended for it, which, as, as a number of people have pointed out, 
Iron Mike is understandably cloudy when you consider that quite a few stadia now that the, have in in stadium in stadium sports books yes. so i mean the lines are very blurred here aren't there or maybe they're not maybe it's crystal clear to players this is what you can and can't do and it's your own stupid fault if you if you break the rules and you get caught you know what you're doing yeah i think that's the bottom line from the nfl's point of view um you know realistically speaking they can they know what you have and haven't bet on um, if you're putting in the bets, which is what happened with Ridley, you know, they he bet through one of the uh, gambling partners, basically of the NFL, and they had a check system in place, which you know showed that he had bet, but it also showed what he had bet on. Mm. Um, and given it's always a bad look, given that the NFL has eight or nine off official gambling partners, you know, one, one way or another between fantasy sports and, and, and the other. so that you're basically telling your audience that you should all go out and bet, but the players that they can't. And I understand the problem and I understand the idea of the inside the locker room and stuff, because the implication is that you're betting on with information, you know, because of your status with the team. And that's exactly what we need. To avoid. We don't want, you know, it was the old Pete Rose argument. Pete said, you know, he only bet, he never bet against the Cincinnati Reds. Mm. He only bet on his team. Mm. And and Back to himself. me, yeah, your first thought immediately is, well, what does it tell your bookie when you don't bet on your team? <laughs> sure. Yeah. Right? Okay. But, yeah. but that will make just, sense. Yeah. But what, and, about, but what about, what about the, we joke about it, but this rule covers any form of gambling so why yeah. should a player be punished because he's backing yeah. i mean what happens if the team puts a roulette wheel in the in the locker room <laughs> <laughs> i mean Dan, i wouldn't put it past dan snyder what what if the guy from the commies actually was betting on whether or not dan snyder would still be the, <laughs> the owner uh, come may you could probably but you can probably back, back that somewhere yeah well, this but, idea of the roulette wheel in the in the locker room maybe matt patricia's Going to be using that to call plays next season. Yeah, but this is you know this isn't Paul Horning and Alex Karras and Joe Namath hanging around with betters or you know betting through bookies and there. We're in a, we're in a situation where everybody's got their phones with them all the time. I mean, mm -hmm. ex except probably at practice, you know, um, unless you're Terrell Owens and, <laughs> and you stick it in your socks and then you run the end zone and you call yourself and congratulate yourself. With the that, was that was Joe Horn. That was Joe Horn. Joe Horn. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yes. It was the Sharpie with Terrell. It was and, yeah. um, and um, you know, it, it, it's becoming it's becoming a very hard line to enforce, which is why the NFL is taking a very strict line on it. And, mm. and you know, we often accuse the football coaches in particular. They've always, you know, played favorites. You know, you remember, you know, Tom Coughlin cutting uh, Mac and you know not cutting Taylor when each of them had fumbled in the game before. Yeah, you know, but but Jamison Williams is a big star. You know, they they're not pay, playing favorites. Ridley is a is a you know star player. Um, so you can't accuse them of of kind of like you know just punishing the the minnows and leaving leaving the mm. sharks alone. I wonder if Jamison Williams ever going to get into an NFL game. Well, right. I mean, you got to be and, and for all kinds of reasons. I mean, here is a first round draft pick with injury. Now this, he's barely played, and it, it's obviously going to dent the Lions. Are so much upbeat sentiment yeah. about the Lions going into next season. Well, yeah. Well, and and speaking of first round draft picks, you notice they traded Jeff Okuda. Yeah. To yeah. Atlanta for a fifth. 
And Akuda was the third overall pick in the in 2020. the 2020 draft. And he's now going to be playing with AJ Terrell, who uh, I forget what number was Terrell seven or nine, but he, he went behind Okuda in, in Same that draft. draft. Yeah. 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 Um, so you know, I I think um I think Detroit is what are they they're showing a certain amount of serious now. And we mm. I, I was I was one, you know, obviously because it was great jokes and stuff like that. I was one of the people who constantly was, you know, laughing at Dan Campbell and you know the um the um you know tank with no driver kind of approach to but you know this this certain amount of getting players who fit what you know what he wants to do and also the sort of I don't know what you'd call it front office seriousness from from the Rams. I think they they put together a pretty good uh, offense and and for all that people keep saying in mock drafts that Detroit needs a quarterback. Jared Goff is probably no worse than the third or fourth best quarterback in the NFC. Right, right. You know, Which, it, when you weigh that, it, yeah, I mean, we're going to get into the draft, of course, heavily, and and in particular the the quarterback class and uh, and Mike's take on on each of the uh, the key protagonists anyway that could go in the in the early rounds. Let's move if we're talking about a an interesting and impressive trajectory for Dan Campbell and the Lions. To similarly, you could apply that to Jalen Hurts, right? Hurts getting paid. Yeah, what that a- that that was a great. I mean, Howie Roseman is really killing it. <laughs> I mean, um, you know, he was he was executive of the year, obviously, for the past season. But mm-hmm. um, you know, he's built he's built that team. He's he's kept it. He learned a lot from Andy Reid. People forget, you know, that he was there when Reid was the coach. And you know how Andy used to build for the future, knowing he was never getting great draft picks. And they would often draft to strength. You know, a, a number of times they would they would draft they draft they did it one year with cornerbacks, and it proved you know a really smart move in 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 the long run to do. But the Hertz deal, like all the other quarterback deals, and I wrote about this last week um, that we've seen so far, and why the why the Ravens won't learn from this, I'm not sure. Um, because all the things that apply to Lamar probably apply to Hurts too. Remember, he he missed two games last past season from injury. Mm-hmm. You know, when you're in a quarter, when you're in a single wing kind of offense, you're you're running the risk of having your quarterback injured. You know, more of a risk than sitting in uh, dropback. But but the deal is big. It's long. There's guarantees, but there's outs. Mm-hmm. Um, there's ways there's ways that the cap is be, is being saved for Philadelphia, you know, lightened as it goes along. Um, they could get out of the deal after two years with you know without leaving themselves with a huge kind of dead cap uh, behind it. And they they basically gave up guarantees in return for a no trade clause, mm. which is the next best thing to a guarantee. You know, because if you have to agree to the trade, if you don't agree to the trade, the team's got to keep you on whatever the deal is for your third or your fourth year, you know? Mm. And, and so, you know, so there's, there's some, flexibility. It's a win, there's it's a, a lot of flexibility yeah. and we've seen a lot of it. Now, the problem I think is that Lamar doesn't have an agent mm. and it's easier to work out those kind of flexes with an agent than it is with the player himself, because the players invested invested psychologically on where he wants to be. And we talked about this, I know about a month ago, maybe more, you know, Jalen's looking at last year's deals. And and 
the Eagles and and Hertz's agent were looking at next year's deals and everybody else because they're thinking of they're thinking of Joe Burrow and they're thinking of Justin Herbert, you know, coming along. And there's no Jimmy Haslam and the Browns to go out there and screw everything up with a <laughs> Watson contract. Despite and there's no habit. yeah, there's no Steve Keem and and you know Cliff Kingsbury and Bidwell, you know, to screw everything up by caving into Kyler Murray. Early doors. Yeah, so Nicole so, Lynn is the agent that's getting a lot of buzz. And you know, on this show, Mike, we've uh, often celebrated Mike McCarthy. Um, Cousins' agent as the greatest agent in, in in sports entertainment, but maybe Nicole Lynn is now because this the deal just to drill down on the numbers, it's worth two hundred and fifty five million, the guaranteed money, and you make the point about the the Jetson clause, but the guaranteed money always the the number you really zone in on, just shy of one hundred and eighty million of that two five five is guaranteed. The average annual value, this is what a lot of people have keyed in on because if you amortize it across the the ex- uh, yeah. The extension, fifty-one million. Yeah, that, and that, that was, makes him the best-paid player in the NFL. Mike. Yeah, that that's the key number from a player's point of view because everybody wants to have the highest annual salary. Yeah, the real key number next year. I mean, this year has the cap only goes up from like it was less than five million. It goes up to only a bit over six for the Eagles this year um, before everything else caps in, and he's making total this year sort of less than the franchise tag, 32 million mm. for a quarterback. Next year, he goes up to 39, the next year 40, and I think it's 50 million in the third year. And that sounds a lot now, but in three years, that may be where the cap number may be up over 40, you know, as the average yeah. of the top five salaries. And and the the Eagles cap no, the, the cap charge against the Eagles is only like it's 13, 22, I think it's 13, 22, 32, which they can live with quite easily. You know, if your quarterback is getting 50 million three years from now, but you're only being charged 32 on the cap. Now, obviously, obviously it's going to be, you know, further on. The advantage of a long-term contract is you can, you can, um, spread the cap hit out mm-hmm. longer. And a lot of contracts have dead years added on where there's no salary, but there's just the the extension of the signing, the signing bonus. Um, and as I said, the, the price is going to go up. It's not going to go down in the next four years. But the short-term contracts obviously give the player less security and give the sure. team which is which is why these kind of backloaded deals are, are are the way to go. So you know, bringing bringing that to Mahomes in the deal because a lot of people have talked to them. Well, you mentioned Herbert and Lamar, and I, and I want to get your take on what this deal means for them. But Mahomes, seeing as you mentioned the 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 value of a long term deal for both sides, it gives the players security, yeah, uh, and the team, as you say, they can they can play uh, uh, play smart with the cap. What does Mahomes and and his people in particular look at this and think about the tenure deal he signed a few years back? Because they must have, of course, they anticipated this happens in any sport, right? You get a player, I don't know, like Gareth Bale is transferred more recently than Ronaldo or Messi back in the day. And so therefore his transfer value at the time was higher, but nobody considered that his value on the market was necessarily greater at that moment. It's just that he had the deal at that point, right? So where does that leave Mahomes if he was on the market now, or if he was restructuring his deal now, he would undoubtedly be the best paid. Oh yeah. Yeah. He's the best quarterback in the league. No, no, no question. So how's he Um, looking at this? Do you think? I I don't think he's bothered. I, I, you know, it's, it's, it's partly an ego thing where, you know, you have to be the best, but, but when he did the 10 year deal, 
it was obvious that he he was helping the team at the same time he was making himself the best paid quarterback in the league yeah. and that and that that would not last but mm. you know the deal has a couple of outs for the team along the way and an out for him as well he can go out and renegotiate but i don't think you're going to see his agents popping up and saying we, we we need a new deal now because when he took that deal i think both sides understood that they had given themselves ways of either dropping the contract or extending it you know for high, for higher money later on in the in the show and i think you know, it's a business, and and you're into making money and that kind of stuff. But but it's also a game, and and the per and the point is to win the game. Mm. And Mahomes' deal, big as it is, gave the Chiefs the opportunity to build around him with a few key moves. That's why they had to get rid of Tyreek Hill, for example. Yeah. But Andy Andy had been trying to prepare for that eventuality. And when and when um, McCall Hardman didn't quite pan out as the next Tyreek Hill, he went out and got Kadarius Tony, you know, and, and they're going to, they brought in another. Guy Moore, of course, they drafted. Yeah. The, um, so Jalen Hurts, just in terms of this extraordinary progress that he's made, because this time last year, the the jury was well and truly out. Certainly. He was an also ran kind of player, and people we weren't even sure if he was going to complete the season as the Eagles starter. Right? We, we, nobody was well. Yeah, and, and and you know, I don't think they used that argument against him. They, I think, they realized, but but it was a case of uh, Sirianni and and Steichen tailoring the offense to what they had as a quarterback, mm. um, and. The fact that they did that doesn't necessarily lessen the quarterback's efficacy. Um, and this applies down the go look at any, you know, many of the great NFL quarterbacks were quote unquote products of the system mm -hmm. in the fact in the sense that the system was tailored to their strengths. Um, and you know, or they or if you look at it from the other side, say Bart Starr with the Packers, he understood the system so well that he didn't he played to its strengths. And he wasn't forced to to be Joe Namath, say he didn't mm. to play like that. Um, and and I think that's you know, I think Hertz we we kind of undervalued Hertz last year, based on that that first kind of performance. And I think this segues into the draft quite well because you know you have to look at what the players did in college. Look at and Hertz at some point along the line he said he wasn't coached in college till he got to Oklahoma mm. when Kirby Smart was there. You know, but at Alabama and this this boggles the mind since Nick Saban is the greatest college coach. Um, <laughs> he's you know, arg arg yeah. arguably ever. You know, yeah. and I'm not I'm not even arguing that he's that he's not. But mm. offensively, it was it Steve Sarkazian was the yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Yeah. was the coach, and, and he's basically saying he didn't do anything with him, you know, and and mm. he was replaced by Tua, you know, famously in the championship game, but then he transferred out to Oklahoma as a free agent, um, you know, and you know this is this is the kind of thing that you're going to get. Um, and, it, yeah, I, it was take... interesting, wasn't it? Yeah, you assume that it's Bama that is going to be the most sophisticated complex they're going to be the most pro ready in terms of their smarts and the detail and nuance that they're being they're being given and and yet this comes out and actually yeah. Sarkisian was just just chuck it up and they'll catch it yeah maybe maybe that's the problem maybe because look, look at so look at who they had you know and yeah, that's exactly. always that's exactly. all that's always the question that's but 
As I say, though, he's Hertz is the best quarterback to come out of Alabama, only he came out of Oklahoma. Well, just, just, just like Burrow's the best quarterback to come out of Ohio State, but he came out of LSU. Right, you know? right. Let's uh, let's let's segue to the draft, as you said, because that does move us nicely into uh the outgoing uh Alabama starter, who's of course heading to the NFL. And heading to the NFL as the as the number one pick, which is an interesting development over the last couple of weeks, because a month ago it looked like when the Panthers made their move. CJ Stroud was the hot ticket they seem to suggest was the guy they wanted, but that is, uh, has fallen away. And Bryce Young is yeah. the consensus it, number one pick. It's not so, it's not so strange that Young has moved up because when you watch, when you watch him play, you just see all, all the positive traits, you know? And, and I mean, everybody says this, so I don't even need to say it. You know, if he was six foot two, he'd be the first, you know, there wouldn't have been any question about it. Yeah. Um, but what's interesting to me is the way Stroud has fallen. You know, a lot of mm. people now are looking at, you know, are saying he's not going to be the second quarterback taken. And he was, as you say, the number one, um, rated the number one uh, for a long time. I, I think I think Carolina will be fine um, with him. And the interesting thing is how people factor in coach expectation. So you you would think, if it, you know, if if you're talking Frank Reich, you're talking tall pocket passers seem to be what he favors. You know, mm-hmm. Carson Wentz, Nick Foles. They they signed Matt Ryan. They they signed Philip Rivers um, when he was with the Colts. And similarly, Steichen at the Colts now they're saying, well, look what he did with Jalen Hurts. He can take Anthony Richardson and make him into a a starter right away, which I think is probably optimistic at best. Mm. Um, It would be a two or three year process. And we tend to, I've written about this a lot. We tend to, there are people who scout the colleges, but, but can't project into the pros. And there are Mm. people who look at the pros and, and similarly can't project from the colleges (laughs) and, and it it drives, it drives you, you know, crazy. So when I look at it, um, the key thing with, with mock drafts is not just projecting the player to the pros, but to the team. Sure. How does the team think, you know, and that's the impossible part for most, almost everybody who's trying, trying to do this job. They have no no idea. Yeah. They have no idea. Houston to me is the key. There's there's two full fulcrums to the draft. One is Houston. The other is the Colts. So so Houston. So so just to, just to follow that through Houston, do they take a quarterback or do they take Tyree Wilson? I guess is the, is the big question, right? Jalen Carter. Or Jalen Carter, yeah. See sure. here, that's you, this is this is the problem here. If D'Amico Ryan's is in charge, mm. you from the outside, you might guess that he wants the big inside guy who he he always had in San Francisco as the keystone of the, of the defense, as opposed to a, a stone pass rusher. Mm. And he so also just, had, just, he also just had jump both. in for the benefit of listeners yeah. who maybe you haven't looked at it closely because you know the draft coming up and this could be uh, you know your prep for it. Jalen Carter is the Georgia defensive tackle, as Mike says, big, no nonsense character. Whereas Tyree Wilson is is the, the strongest edge rusher in, edge, in the draft class, right? or one of them. I mean, people argue Matt Anderson is from from Alabama, and you know, it, and this is another guy we get. It's such a complicated thing. You never you never get to the mailbag because, but. <laughs> But, you know, a lot of this, this draft is strange. There's a very small elite mm-hmm. position by position. And then there's, there's a very large, a somewhat larger 
very good section. Yeah. You know, and, and looking at the pass rushers, I'm not sure. Anderson is, may well develop into the elite pass rusher of this of this group. But there is probably five or six guys down there, you know, who will who will move in and start. Mm-hmm. Um, the it's the same thing with the cornerbacks. It's mm-hmm. a deep draft for cornerbacks. But a, apart from Gonzalez and, and maybe Witherspoon, you know, and I like Witherspoon a lot. Um you know, there, there's not there's not the the guy like Stingley or um, or Sauce Gardner from last mm. year that you've got to grab um, way way up at the top. So, and, Mike, I took you off trajectory so, a bit. So, you were saying that the second yeah. pick is, is critical so, because yeah. So, if you're they go Houston, quarterback or not, basically. yeah. So, if you're if you're um, if D'Amico Ryan's is getting what he wants in the draft, my my feeling is that he would want Carter. Carter was the number one guy in the draft up until you know the um the car crash accident in in um in Georgia, the, the mm. racing down the road. You know, that that and we've talked about it and I don't want to talk about it anymore because it's such an awful tragedy. Um but he could go with a pass rusher. You know, Bosa in San Francisco would be the, but but you almost think that it's going to be up front on defense that he'll want. Mm-hmm. If Nick Casario is still in charge, and remember Nick Casario had to deny that he was he was quitting the team a week ago. You know, yeah. it was the, the most amazing. Best, I, I'm embarrassed to be asking to answer this question. He said, but everybody, the rumors were all around that he was going to quit. Yeah. Um, if he is, I would not be surprised if he wanted to trade down in the draft for the reasons I was just saying that there's enough depth at the yes. position that they might want to be able to pick up something further on and get more draft picks. So just on this, I mean, so Casario, one more, just one more point, hmm. or is the owner in charge? Calling and, the shots. Yeah. And Houston, yeah, as we he know, is not a straightforward yeah. franchise. And if yeah. it's, if it's the owner, they'll, they'll take a quarterback. Well, isn't it mind. more likely to be, particularly with Casario heading out? Cause that's a, as you suggested, Bizarre situation because the Texans have twelve picks, which is a pretty decent haul in yeah. a in a draft with with the depth that you talked about. And then he exits stage left after making those calls. Presumably, they. I mean, it's too late to. It's, it's a question it. of it's a question of control of of how much power he actually has. He he was on a six year deal, but now it's obviously down to three. Ryan's is on a six year deal. If the two of them aren't on the same page, or if the owner is, you know either, you know, taking one side or the other or interfering or whatever, you know, he survived the whole Jack Easterby business yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, and, and came out of that intact. And as you say, they haven't had much success on the field, but they're, they're right now in a position where they can build. And I think it's a very good argument that, you know, are you going to get through this season with Davis Mills and Case Keenum as your yeah. quarterbacks? Yes, you could. You know, and and the offense they put in, if they put in a, a Shanna clan, because you know, Slowick was with the Niners, if they put in a Shanna clan kind of offense, Mills or Key and or Keenum could probably run it at least as efficiently as Nick Mullins did, say, yeah, with, yeah, with yeah. the Niners. So that would get you through another year. And then you go, you know, you either bring in a free agent quarterback or you or you draft one who who you think can play. You're sure about yeah. that's that that to me is that is I can't figure out what they're going to do, which makes okay. it almost impossible to mock a draft. Well, that, that will make this question almost impossible to answer. But give it your best <laughs> shot. How many quarterbacks do you think go in the first round? Ooh, what is the over under four point five? Yeah. So I'll yeah. Check, so that I'll what you're basically yeah, that sure that that bet is whether you think Hendon Hooker is going to go in the first round or not. Yeah. Um, 
because four is for sure and five is a question mark yeah so leave it stroud definitely go uh Richard, richardson i think richardson, I, richardson i think goes because i don't think it's you know he's he's so much he's so much more elite a physical prospect than Malik Willis was. Remember last year, Malik Willis was the only quarterback. I did a, I did a survey of like 15 draft, uh, mock draft pundits in my column last week. And Malik Willis was the only one all 15 had going in the first round. <laughs> really? He, yeah, he, went, yeah. he went in round three. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, I, I think Richardson's just got... I wrote when I wrote about Richardson looking at, I mean it jumps off the tape, you know, when you watch him, he's so athletic. But but you know, the decathlon isn't an, isn't part of the, you know, it's not punt, pass, and kick. You know, the if if the NFL had a decathlon event, you'd draft him number one overall. Yeah. If, unless he's too big to pole vault, you know. But <laughs> but um But the game's changing, Mike. So is but, it you know Yeah, but his passing is so erratic. I mean Looking at the big game, the couple of big games that I looked, you know, I watched him. His passing is just so erratic. You you wonder. I mean, a team could the Colts take him? Could Steichen do with him what he did with Hertz? Well, Hertz was much more advanced as a passer mm. when he came out when he came out of college. Um, even that 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 one year at Oklahoma, then then he then he is. They, I mean, Florida's offense basically was like, hey, here's the ball, <laughs> get us some points. Yeah. Um, oh, with Steve yeah. Sarkeesian, the offensive coordinator. <laughs> uh, just yeah. on, just to jump back one more uh, on um, Bryce Young, because you know you referenced his size. Of course, everyone's going on about five ten. He's listed, which means might even be smaller. Yeah, he that. cracked two hundred pounds at the combine, which everyone was yeah. You because know, oh, it's not. Better. There's two things. One is one is frailty. Yes. You know, when they when they look at a skinny body, they wor- you worry that it's going to be easier to injure. Um, you know, although Gumby or, you know, plastic man would skinny, but never broke any bones. Um, <laughs> and, um, the other thing is height. Can you see over the, over yeah. the rush, which, which we've seen with like Baker Mayfield is a huge problem with, with some guys, you know, I mean, Doug Flutie wasn't an elite quarterback, but when Flutie quarterback, he didn't really have a problem seeing over, he could make space for himself. And, mm. and you know, and he, he had, people didn't realize how strong his arm was because he was, he was a, such a little guy, but Bryce Young has a really strong arm. Um, he's accurate. He's, he's savvy. Um, everyone who's interviewed, you know, they love his kind of leadership qualities and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah, I don't, I don't really have much problem with that. I, I don't see why Stroud has been downvalued so much. Mm. Um, yes, Ohio State, you know, has a kind of college offense, and but he, I don't, I don't see any sign. Any, he just doesn't come off as the as the field general type that that um, that Young does, mm. and that's that's kind of hurt him. And Levis. Levis played with Josh Hoipel as the coach and Hoipel a great college coach. You know, he was at Oklahoma for a while, you know, but it's a very spread big eight kind of offense, big 12, whatever it is nowadays, mm-hmm. big, whatever. Um, and um, where all the, re- it's a half field offense. All the reads are pre-programmed, um, you know, and he's going to have an adjustment time to make. And mm. I watched a tape of his pro day where he hit the roof of the, the yeah. facility. You know, it's yeah. like, hang on, who are you? Yeah, is Plexico back in the league? <laughs> <laughs> you know. Can we cut but, that? Can we cut that from the real? Uh, just on, um, on young a, a stat people have pulled out quite a lot 
to negate the concerns about his height that last season he only had two passes batted down at the line of scrimmage. Now, is that because it's not really a problem or for reasons you, you suggested, or is that because it's Bama and their line is so... Yeah, complicated. it's Bama and they've got 1,700 pounds <laughs> yeah, of, sure. of offensive line yeah. in front of him and, and they play like three teams as deep as the actually can actually compete. Yeah, but you, you watch Hendon Hooker against Bama Mm. And he was great in that in that game. You know, the other good question is Levis. Levis signed as a free agent from Penn State because he couldn't get a start at Penn State. Mm. And Hooker signed as a free agent from um, Virginia Tech. Who traditionally don't have offense, they they get athletic quarterbacks and just tell them to do their thing. Mm. Um <laughs> Frank Bieber, the old Frank Bieber days, um, and um, so you, then you wonder, you wonder why, you know, what, what's the difference, you know, how, where, where was it the coaching um, that made made all the difference for these guys, and will it, will it in the NFL? Yeah, it's a great you know? point. It's such a good point. Well, and and of course back to, uh, you know, back to Jalen and, and situation is if not everything, then a, then a, then a hell of a lot. I've got one for you on another player that fascinates me because of. Um, well, you mentioned Anthony, Anthony Richardson's um, athletic capability, and a lot of people are suggesting that the best, uh, amongst the best all-round athletes, and arguably maybe the best player in the draft class, certainly in the conversation, is Bijan Robinson. But he's not going to go high, yeah. most people think, because he's a running back. But where yeah. where should he, where should he go? Should teams look at that and think, I'm going to get a Saquon, well, the trouble is, and I guess that, that's every- exactly what the trouble is, because <laughs> right. they look and say, I'm going to get a Saquon Barkley, who, yeah. who's had like two fantastic years and three injury yeah. years. Um, you know, Zeke, Zeke Elliott the same way. You know, McCaffrey, was, though, I guess, is he I mean, was no least- longer. Yeah. Well, McCaffrey's an interesting thing because that there's a good coaching. The, the Panthers under rule used McCaffrey as if he were Zeke Barkley or, or um, Zeke, LS, Zeke Barkley. <laughs> yeah, Zeke Barkley. You know, nice. that, that, uh, whereas he needs show right he, there. Yeah. He needed to be used the way Shanahan has been using him, you know, where he's lined up as a receiver more than he yeah. did where, where he does stuff other than catch bubble screens, which, which is what, what he did. Um, and um zone the zone blocking opening up things for him in that in that system he was a perfect fit for that system that was a great trade for both teams i you know i really i really thought and you saw how the carolina running game without him was much better because they liked to run they wanted to run between the tackles mm-hmm. basically and that's not, not that's his not thing. his fort yeah um so bjen going to the right team would be great and i think he's got he's got the ability to run in most systems. So you need, you know, um, you need, you need to have a team which will, I think, not make him be the bell cow back Mm -hmm. completely. Uh, But, you know, I would use him a lot as a receive, as a receiving back, but I understand completely why he'll slip down, why he slips down the draft because assuming assuming fitness running backs are more or less fungible the you know and even but that not even the saquons and the mccaffreys don't don't make the big difference Ah, now now we're getting to it don't now i'm i think i'm not sure i buy that because mccaffrey absolutely even 
or particularly in the early years in, in Carolina, was 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 the, the Carolina offense to the most part. Right? Yeah, but it wasn't a very good offense, to be honest. No, sure, it wasn't a good offense. That's a fair point, but it would have been abysmal without him, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah. but so it, that's the crux, isn't it? That sh- take out the fragility and the, the injury risk, which is maybe too significant a thing to uh, to put to one side. But assuming that a team drafts Bijan Robinson and he stays fit for the first three or four years of his career, running backs have been devalued so much that people are going to look elsewhere, but, but should they, a generational talent like that, do you not feel they can make enough of a difference to go and, as I say, a top 10 draft pick? Yeah. Nothing good as he is. He's, he doesn't, he, he hasn't generated the generated, generated the generational tag the way that Barkley or Elliott did. Or McCaffrey, you know, which which is the totally dominant three years of success at college or whatever on in an, in an offense that you know that that ran that ran really well. Um, and coming out of Texas, which traditionally has produced lots of great running backs, you know, um, and been a, been a kind of run first team, that that makes sense. I I think. Mm, what would GM Mike do? Mike's in the hot seat. You're... No, I'm, I'm trying to think of what, what team I, I think would be a great yeah, – I mean, look at the Packers, for example, with the right. with the double the double-barreled running running game. Yeah. You know, um the Patriots with their constant switching of their number one yeah. backs. And and yeah. Stevenson came out of, you know, um the big the big whatever. Um yeah. you know, where running's not not a huge thing and they projected it. Pittsburgh tries to build around a running back, Najee Harris, you know, and but it's it's really a secondary thing now, unless mm. your running back is also a receiver. And that's where Robinson's big thing because a lot, you know, a lot of the running backs who are also receivers are smaller guys who mm. who people think are injury risks. But look at you know look at San um San Diego. Look yeah. at the Chargers. Mm. They're letting Austin Eckler go. Mm. And Eckler was arguably the, the most player, yeah. valuable <laughs> running back in the league last year to his yeah, yeah. team. You know, um, not necessarily the best, but the most but the most valuable. Um could they could they draft Robinson to replace him? Would that be a positive? I mean, I, I always talk okay. about teams that tread water in the draft. You know, yeah, they yeah. lose someone and they draft someone to replace them. Well, apart from the finances of it, which sometimes are considerable, are they actually improving or are they just treading water? I don't want to dwell on this point too much because we've got a ton to get through, but just the last just quick follow-up on it. If you look at the Chiefs, the Bills, the last four or five years uh, where both teams have had significant success, offensively, most people would cite the running game as their weak link, right? If the last Edwards Hilaire didn't really work out for the Chiefs, you had the whole Singletary, not quite the, the Bills can never really get it. So why wouldn't teams like that, particularly as you say, because they're not going to be the focal point of the offense, because rarely, if ever, running backs are these days. Why don't they look at a player like BJ Robinson and think, okay, that takes care of that? Because the simple reason is because they will go for for the player who makes more impact in what they want to do and that impact not necessarily in the in the lots of sacks ways or the you know the lockdown corner way but impact in the uh interior lineman who makes your makes your b plus running back into an a minus running back right um you know that that kind of thing and then and therefore um therefore you're 
your Singletary's around. I mean, Buffalo is an interesting one, but I doubt he would drop to Buffalo, and I draw. I doubt yeah. they would. They would um, trade up because it's not. It's not their most pressing need. The the, the team that I I, I considered for being. Um, but Philadelphia let Miles Sanders go. Yeah. And played down through the playoffs, played with two guys who were not high profile running backs by any means, you know. So they drafted 10. And unless Andy, unless um Howie trades down, yeah, Howie's always full of surprises. But you know, you, you would think they would probably go with with a big offensive lineman or maybe a you know, edge rusher there. But but he could take a running back as the next Miles Sanders. And Robinson would be a, <laughs> Robinson would be a great fit for Philadelphia. You I'm going to be watching him closely. I'm, I'm still flying the flag for running backs. All right. Because I said we've got a ton to get through and 10 minutes and change to do it. So, um, okay, <laughs> go. let's go to the mailbag. Rakesh. Uh, hey, Rakesh. Who makes hey. the biggest or slash surprising move on draft day? So I guess we can kind of group those <laughs> They're Howie. <laughs> Apparently. So, say, no, say no more. Um, it's going to be whoever whoever tries to to move into that two or three spot mm. um to to take a quarterback the the surprise quarterback um move um and i mean the, who would who would it be the who maybe wants a needs a quarterback i don't i think it atlanta's the one that jumps up at you um the titans I don't think would jump would move up for for a quarterback. The, Just the on greatest, Atlanta though, you think Atlanta big? Then they want to they may not be satisfied that Ritter's going to be there, mm. you know. But I mean, in that offense, I said this before. I mean, in that offense, I think he could he could be completely functionable. Yeah. Um, in that functionable, is that a word? <laughs> it is. Not. Um, I like you it. know the Bucks. The Bucks can't. Bucks can't do anything. I mean, you know, they they probably need a quarterback, but I think that's going that's going to be the thing. Um, I'm, the biggest question mark to me is whether the Colts sit at four, knowing that they want a quarterback, and figure we'll take whichever one falls for us. And you know, so they'll be rooting for Houston and Arizona to to draft for defense, and then they can take their pick of the three. But mm. but the you know, if if Houston doesn't take a quarterback, someone's going to be really tempted to make Arizona deal. Mm. Okay, then we'll go to we'll go to yeah, I love this question, Mike. From uh from a fellow Mike, Mikey McBride, no McCorn, his handle on Twitter at the NC show. That's how you get in touch with us, incidentally. Uh Carlson Sports gets his hands on Doc Brown's DeLorean. <laughs> and he actually puts a la Biff Tannen. I think he's comparing you to Biff to Biff Tannen here, which not not for the first time. Um he brings yeah. 22-year-old Iron Mike. To 2023 and declares for the draft. So are we still at 22? I'd already not been playing football <laughs> for two years. Okay. Are we still gonna go? We'll we'll assume we're gonna you're staying we're staying with this yeah. tight end, tight end yeah. I Mike. Where does he want and not want to land? So where <laughs> in this he... in this draft? Yeah. Yeah. So I'd be let's 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 project 50 years or so or so. I'd be six foot three and and maybe 240 pounds. Yeah, uh, right. Sure you would, you know, yeah. Coming coming out of coming out of uh yeah. Well, I mean I played in high, in college again. Against Gene Fugit, who was 6'4 and about 225, 230. And he went to the pros as a tight end. You could have, um, could have, would have, should have, like, yeah. I, I was one night, I was 195. <laughs> I was, but, but, um, length of your hair at this stage, is yeah. This is because shoulder, I posted, I posted a picture of myself at my pro day at Wesleyan, which, which is where I'm 
wearing a leather helmet and 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 flying into the side of a barn while 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 three guys in high collars laugh yeah. in the background. I love that picture. Yeah. Um, how long's your hair at this stage? Is it shoulder length? Oh yeah. 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 Okay. Uh, absolutely. So I'd be very popular with the with the internet crowd. Um, yeah. yeah. I, I I think I'd like I'd, <laughs> I'd probably crowd. like to go to to somewhere to somewhere somewhere like um, oh nowadays I'm, I'm sure Vegas Kansas City um, the Chargers. Um, You'd like to go to the Chargers? You're talking purely for footballing reasons here, then. Yeah. Well, yeah. you know, as a, as they're tied in with Justin Herbert. Yeah. Throwing, throwing the ball, you know, just kind of sneaking into the sneaking into the end zone every now and again, you know, when nobody's looking and nobody's bothered to cover me because I'm not a threat. Well, Eckler's gone as well, so that you'll be a better red zone threat now. What um, what about environmentally then? Where would you like to? Where would you like to? You, come on, Carson, Vegas. We, it, it's we, Vegas. Vegas under Josh. That would be <laughs> that. That would be interesting. My life in Vegas would be very interesting. Um, that, that would be a, a reality show I would watch. Hey, speaking of Vegas, yeah, better than my life in Green Bay. So. Yeah. The interesting would be, thing would be, could I play for Bill? And and I kind of think I couldn't. Oh, would you know Bill? That's a. We're now getting quite meta here. Well, would I would have, you know, because you know, I would have if if um because you know, we, oh that would have been weird. We played lacrosse, so you know I would have been. You, coming yeah, but off I, I know you know him, but I mean you'd have come. You're now in the yeah. Future. Of course, I'd be yeah. Well, that's true. I'd be 23, and Bill. You know be, him. Bill would you be 70, him. 71, so I probably wouldn't have known. <laughs> It'd be difficult for both of you to deal with. I think technically you would, right? I think you would. We're getting really deep. Well, maybe our listeners can help here. So if yeah. you from the future, from the past, yeah, you would. So you would go to the. You we're we're, we're other, setting yeah. up a time paradox here. Yeah, um, we're we're definitely hitting the multi bus. The uh, speaking of Vegas, the the Polian on Ryan Leaf comments i wanted to get your oh, perspective on i i wrote about that one too yeah. i mean what, i don't understand it, i i was polian thinking it was the 25th anniversary so you had to trash ryan leaf a bit yeah. more i i i've never i i called him the little nap polian <laughs> um <laughs> he seems to always be trying to to burnish his reputation you know to build it um he's already in the hall of fame so i don't know why he needs to bother you know but but when he was in those years in the early in the early part of the century when you know he was constantly on the the quote unquote competition committee trying to change the rules so the Colts would have an easier time of it with the Patriots you know mm -hmm. when when Bill came up with a way of stopping their offense by you know basically beating up Edwin James when he ever tried to get out of the backfield you know he he can I don't I don't get it you know Leaf mm -hmm. was a and Leaf I feel I, I feel sort of a sympathy for Leaf. He, he he knows he screwed up. Yeah, not just football, but his life. He came back from it. He understands he's one of the greatest busts in history. Yeah, he can live with it. So why does Bill Polian have to sort of make him look worse than he Rank was? it up. Yeah, it's a cheap yeah. shot, isn't it? Just to, the story is that um, Polian said that uh, when they were interviewing and looking at him and Manning, of course, they were in the uh, Leaf and Peyton Manning in the same draft class that. Uh, Leaf was more interested in going to, or delayed the interview because he wanted to go to Vegas with his friends. I think was the no. They they basically Manning had said like you know you draft me I'll show up the next day and start you know start playing which he couldn't do anyway because they don't let them. <laughs> them. 
And so um, Polian says, he asked Leaf if he would do the same thing. And Leaf said, no, I've got a trip book with my buddies to Vegas right after the draft. No, they were, I think they were going camping or, or something. I think it was, no, I think it was, was it Vegas. Vegas. It was Vegas. That makes more sense, actually. It would, it would go, he'd go up yeah. in my estimation if he gave me but, that. But anyway, and, and Leaf just says that conversation never happened. You know, yeah. he, he was already overweight. He showed up at the combine overweight. You know, it was like, if if you couldn't see that there. And and remember, Polian's the guy who said Lamar Jackson had to play wide receiver in the NFL. Yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. For exactly. whatever reason. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we'll leave that there. James Gregory, uh, greatest draft steal of all time and why? Oh, oh I think I yeah, he said steal, and I thought it was like a Steelers joke. Um, <laughs> well, it maybe it was. And, well, that's it, you know, that's a tough one because it's gonna be Brady, isn't it? The, well, yeah, the, the, the I was just gonna say the bottom line is old six one ninety-nine. Yeah. Um, you get the best quarterback of all time with, with the 199 pick. But but then when when you go through it and mm. and you look, it's it's a really hard thing to do. And I and I did this for gridiron uh, last last season, to, you know, because the way the draft worked, seventh round in the 50s, you were only picking uh, you know, 40 pick number 43 or pick number 56 or whatever. Um even higher than that, actually. And in the years when the AFL and NFL were drafting against each other, you had guys who were drafted, you know, in round two by one league, and then the other league would just draft them in round 18 because they thought, why bother? He's going to go to the to that league. We'll just keep his rights for when the league when the league fails. Mm. So so you know there there were there were guys um uh, who were often mentioned in that. But so when I did the article, I set the cutoff date and pick 200. Mm. And Bart Starr was mm. the 200th pick within the 17th round in, in 56. Um, Rosie Brown, who was an all, all pro Hall of Fame tackle for the Giants, went with pick 321. Um, Andy <laughs> Robustelli, who played against my father in college, went with pick 228. And Raymond Barry, who's, you know, Johnny Unitas's favorite talent, great. Sure. Great. Uh, he went with pick 232. And Chris Hanberger was a great linebacker for 18 seasons, uh, for 12, went with pick 245. So I think, you know, somewhere in those. Brian Sype, who was the MVP of the league in 1980, went with pick 330 wow. in 1972. Um, so that was a pretty good value. But 80 you know, wasn't the strike season, was it? No, that was 80. No. no. Um, he was good. He was good for a few years there in Cleveland before the, you know, the Browns took care of him. Um, yeah, the Browns be Browns. Uh, Carlson, let's wrap with by raising a glass to, to Dave Wilcox, Hall of Famer, who uh, yeah. has passed away in the in the last week. Tell us about yeah. it. Uh, the funny part is, I I met and, and I did a thing for Sky with Josh Wilcox, who was who played at Oregon and um, was a pro wrestler in in the off season um, in the Oregon circuit. But we did a wrestling match for the Sky campus. <laughs> <laughs> which was pretty had to go for you which was pretty funny yeah hey, uh, Mike, oh. Iron Mike was, you know <laughs> killer carlson was, i uh, want to see that tell me that footage still exists foot, i hope it does you know, oh uh, let's please Gia was making Gia was <laughs> making fun of me when i did my flex um since there wasn't anything really to flex yeah. but <laughs> oh, but um but um and the funny part was Josh wouldn't, he went all kayfabe on me when, when we actually started wrestling and, you know, wouldn't, wouldn't, uh, you know, was pretending that everything was real. Wouldn't say that, you know, that it wasn't even as I laid my uh, forearm smashes. <laughs> it. Brilliant. But it, it was a lot of fun, but Dave, yeah. I told, I told him, you know, his father was one of my favorite players when I was, mm. when I was young. 
And in the 60s, if you'd asked me to pick like the all 60s team, Wilcox and Bobby Bell, the Chiefs, would have been the outside linebackers. And Bobby Bell was a fantastic athlete, a quarterback in high school, a tackle in college, a linebacker in the pros. Um, I think it was Hank Stram said he could play all 11 positions. You know, the, only, <laughs> the only guy he'd ever seen who could play every position on the field. And and in most of them, he'd be better than the guy that they had already. <laughs> um, and um, But Wilcox was, uh, he was a guard, I think, and, and defensive end in college. And he was MVP of one of the postseason bowls, which is unusual for a guy in that position. When he got to the pros in San Francisco, they made him into a line, outside linebacker. And he was big for the outside linebackers for the day, like around 240. But he was everything you would want an outside linebacker to be. Um, he could cover. He was fast. He was big. He set the edge, you know, like nobody. He was tough and he was very smart. Um, so he was like the the keystone of that defense. And I have no doubt that either, you know, he or Bell, you know, or even in from the 60s, if you had Dick Butkus in the middle of that thing, or or Willie Lanier, you know, or Ray Nitschke, those guys could play in, in the pros today at the size that they were. They'd be in better shape, you know, if you want to project or whatever, but they they could they could do that kind of thing. And um he had a he had a good long career, especially good when when um um, Mike Nolan became the defensive coordinator because Nolan realized what he had. Mm. Um, and so he he could he could set he could set his defenses knowing how good Wilcox was at reading and taking on blockers and, and making tackles. Um so he I, he's he's in the Hall of Fame, well, well deserved. Um and it's just another one of these end of the era things. You know, you you think of Wilcox out on the field and Nolan in a, you know suit and overcoat and, and uh, fedora, you know, on, yeah, on the yeah, sidelines. Yeah, yeah. And, yeah. you know, that's, that's the way football was. And, and in a lot of ways, I, you know, I, I remember it fondly and like it better than, than the way, um, the way that it, that it was. Well, you, yeah. Is, you're, that it isn't. It is now. Yeah. Your formative years. I understand about it. We all have, we all have. Yeah, I mean, coaches really ought to dress. Yeah. yeah. Coaches ought to really dress like adult men and not like guys who just stopped off in the, in the uh, souvenir shop at the stadium <laughs> on the way on the way in. Oh, I am Team Tom Landry all the way. You know that yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, one, la one yeah, last thing: it. draft steals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Homer Jones hmm. was drafted in round five, I think, by the by the AFL, but the Giants got him with pick two seventy eight. Homer Jones was a very fast wide receiver, um, great, great on the deep ball, and is. Arguably, the guy who invented the spike. Really is he? Yes. So I mean, that's a draft steal when you get a lot of uh, touchdowns plus the spike you, with the two hundred and seventy eighth pick of the NFL draft, sponsored by Bud Light. Woke. Gronk, uh, Gronk is the uh, chairman of the Homer Jones Appreciation Society. Yeah, though, I, I, I hope you appreciate that we got through the entire discussion of the NFL draft presented by Bud Light woke yeah. um, without my saying it was the NFL draft presented by Bud Light. <laughs> you did really well, Mike. What you also did particularly well is not answer all of the questions that we had uh, sent to us for the mailbag on Twitter, which is which showed an incredible I, restraint. Well, uh, you know, time. I'm I'm going to have to reconsider that position if we don't actually. Well, that's the thing get, I was going to say. You know, we didn't get yeah. to all of them, but we'll say there was them a, up. We'll there was up. a good one. Someone asked if the Giants could realistically sign Dexter Lawrence and Sa Saquon to contracts if they, and I, I I'm sure they'll do a deal with Dexter Lawrence um, along the way, but they had mm -hmm. to get Jones taken care of first. But Saquon, I think they'll stick with the franchise tag. 
Mm. You know, and it's a smart play. Cold as they, it may seem, because they'll certainly lose him next year if they don't. You know, mm. it's yeah, Adam with his with his interest with his injury history. Um, yeah, it's the smart play. I'm with. It's you. probably the smart play. Yeah, ruthless but smart. Um, at Carlson Sports is how you follow the big man on Twitter. Fire your questions over to him. Uh, and at the ones we didn't get into on today's show, we'll do our best to batch them up and talk about them. <laughs> and next time, fire Carson... your questions in, and I'll answer each one of them on Twitter. Yeah. <laughs> Carlson will just take care of business. <laughs> Over on Twitter, who needs a blue tick? Huh? Yeah, when just don't cars. do it. Don't do it Friday morning when I'm still <laughs> trying to trying to get some sleep. Do it, please do it at Friday morning, five a.m. Uh, the the first round of the NFL draft presented by Bud Light woke. I'm um, speaking of which, we are going to be uh, Ben in the house for College Day special, a day one draft recap for you, which we're recording Friday afternoon. So it should be depending how hungover Ollie is. It'll be kind of at some point in your inbox. Friday evening is what I suggest. So keep it on that. Keep it on Carlson back in the house very soon. Look after yourself, bud. You too, mate. Take care, man. Brilliant stuff as you would expect from Iron Mike. I love that question from Norman Corn about Iron Mike, the DeLorean, the, the shoulder length hair, the tie dye. <laughs> well, we gotta we gotta explore that. Fine, let's find that footage of Iron Mike wrestling as well. Please, if you got it out there, send it in. I wanna see it. I wanna see him getting his ass kicked. That would be brilliant. We appreciate all of your support as ever. Thank you for firing in questions if you have. And like I said on the show, if you haven't, if we didn't get into them rather, then uh, we'll do our best to weave them into the forthcoming shows. Me and Ben are back on Friday with that draft recap, round one recap. So that will drop Friday night. Me and Propo are going to be getting some Gen X, Gen Z stuff rolling, a bit of edge rush in the not too distant future. We've got some college day specials coming up. All go here at the NC show and lots more exciting stuff coming your way imminently. So we appreciate your support. If you're new to the show, shout out to you. Welcome to the ride. Hope you're enjoying We'll catch up with you very soon. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.